0: Introducing Mortgage Maps. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea, he has how he idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The
1: fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. outrage, Broadcasting live
0: from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What
1: economy are you talking about?
0: It's time for Mortgage Matters.
2: Matters. 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 Buenos dias, San Luis Obispo County and beyond. Good morning. I'm Jason Grody. The uh, intro trailer is not quite accurate today. We're minus the Daniel Podesto. Taking a little time off, but we did. We got a a most worthy backup for him, Mr. West Burke. Good morning, Jason. Morning, pal. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming in today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Woo. We got a couple of hours here today again. It's a beautiful day here in May. I can't believe how nice the weather is. It's a great day to go inside. <laughs> it's. Uh, it was already 80 degrees
3: when I drove down the hill this morning. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a nice, nice day. So Jay, last time I was on the radio, you mocked me for my uh, my uh, face for radio. I, I just want you to notice that I cleaned up for you today. It's cleaned indeed, and is that aftershave I smell? <laughs> <laughs> Fresh shaven, washed clothes. You must I, be working today. I look presentable, don't I? Yeah. No, I just wanted to look good for everybody that
2: was listening on the radio. Well, you know, if you want to, if you want to be a million bucks, you got to look like a million bucks. You want to be a million bucks, right? So you're not working today,
3: I, I take it.
2: No, just radio. <laughs> you can't fool me. I know you're meeting uh, people face to face later. That's true. Not the case for this boy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go play with the kids all day. But uh, well, yeah, gosh, how's the week? It's a busy week. Yeah, I uh, managed my way by your office a couple times this week, and there was some hustle and bustle going on over there. A lot of activity, a lot of activity and uh it seems like the uh real
3: estate market is just in full swing. Yeah, I think that's a fair description. It's it's very busy. I'm hearing lots of agents um talk about the struggle that it is to keep up these days just to get to find a place for their buyer and then and manage the deal. And manage the deal. That's that's uh a big part of it these days.
2: It's been a, a very busy week. Um, as you guys know, rates have been good and low. I, I would suggest that for the probably about the first quarter of this year, they kind of spiked a little bit and then found some really nice lows. Um, this week was a very light week on economic data. There just simply wasn't too much um, going on. But I'll tell you, um, one of the big items here that, that we learned was um, – well, first of all, saw the Dow close over 15000 That was a pretty big deal. Um, the U.S. government posted a uh, biggest monthly surplus in – I'm reading this correctly. A monthly surplus, the biggest in five years. But they're not tricking me. I know it's because it's, uh, we just got off of April. <laughs> they just collected everybody's dough and now they're getting ready to spend it. But so there's a, the coffers are full. Um, but that wasn't the biggest news. The big news here was that the weekly unemployment claims hit a, what we're calling a recovery low for the second straight week. Um, last week we reported that the un- unemployment, initial unemployment claims, um, people showing up for a very first time benefit, really a jaw-dropping number um it it fell like crazy and uh down to 335 and this week so 335,000 people and just as a a reminder and a barometer 350,000 people or less is considered a moderately growing labor force and um The analysts this week expected that we would see that number rise by about 11,000. So we're looking for something around 346. And everybody was wowed when the initial jobless claims here was 323,000. That is the lowest number that I've seen since we've been tracking this in the recovery. Um, So keeping the five-year low run alive. Can't wait to see what happens next week. But th- that's inarguably good news. And, of course, it it does put some upward pressure on interest rates. But it's good to know that perhaps we are finally getting America back to work.
3: It's great news. We'd love, love to hear that. We're a little concerned about interest rates. But uh, tell me how you think that this will all play out. Um, you know, I I'd
2: like to just see some steady, you know, Steady job growth, at least keep the initial unemployment claims. There's still work that's got to be done in the continuing claims realm. You know, we got to get those people that are on benefit for, you know, not for more than the first time. Basically, this is a metric just tracking that that first time they show up for the benefit. Um, but it's great news to see that number inching its way down, especially as we come into the summer season where historically, you know, for seasonality, there's lots of good jobs created. So hopefully we'll see that keep going. Um, and, you know, needless to say, it feeds into consumer confidence, makes everybody feel a little bit better.
3: Um, kind of gets things working and firing on all cylinders. We've got the home builders are kind of back into the the mix again. We're seeing more activity in in that regard. How much of that do you think um, is accountable for the the increase that you're seeing in employment? I mean,
2: we know that construction, building of new homes creates, I mean, they say it creates, every new construction creates um, three full-time jobs for a year. And um, there's no doubt that, that beginning to break dirt on more construction projects is going to get people back into work. Uh, so I, I think that that's definitely going to help. And new construction stuff was in the numbers a lot for the last couple of weeks. Um, some of the data, just the way it stacked up, looked like it slipped a little bit. But I uh, I read some interesting stuff this week that was kind of pointing out the fact that we are – Just going to see new construction and lots of it, Um, talking about the population and the population growth with construction permits and what's gone on for the last few years. It sounds like we should really expect to see a lot of construction picking up. And um, we've long talked about it on the show, but the return of construction spending um, or not spending, but financing is going to be one of the big indicators for us. And and we're seeing more of that. We've actually got a couple of banks that are rumoring to be getting into construction um, loans right now. So that'll be that'll be a big deal. And I think it's harder to have a good grasp on new construction here on the Central Coast because we just don't see it a lot here. Even in normal season, it feels like we don't build an awful lot of new homes but there's there's a handful of projects going on around town and um so I, I think we'll look for that to increase and that'll definitely help with all of the
3: employment stuff i was talking i had a chance to visit with two different builders yesterday some of the guys from Robinson reed and they are uh, really really active and busy right now and also was um talking to eric schaefer another great local builder and He's uh, he's busy swinging, swinging hammers himself, and he was lamenting the uh, the oversight. There's a lot of red tape, and it just seems to continue to mount on these guys. So I think it uh, has two impacts. One, I think it weeds a lot of guys out of the game. It makes it difficult to, to earn a profit in, in building. And those that do, they find a way to pass it on to the, the consumer. So it, it, it impacts property values as, as well. This is – particularly hot on my mind after having just returned from sacramento where we had the car legislative meetings mm-hmm. there's uh roughly 850 new laws on the book on the books in the last calendar year and i just think man that is a lot stacked upon at least as many last year and the year before and the year before and um it gets kind of tricky yeah we see an awful lot of law and
2: regulation come out um, over lending practices, and I don't know how it is for you guys on the real estate side, but for me, it's it's almost eye-rolling at times because oftentimes these laws are just uh, common sense, practices that are already – Forbidden or prevented by other mechanisms within the industry. And so I see, especially after the meltdown of, you know, 2007, I guess we should call it, I see these funny little laws that, um, prohibit things or features to a loan that have long been gone. So if nothing else, maybe it prevents the return of some of those practices when the market gets fast and loose again. But are there are there any proposed laws or um, regulations now in real estate that you think actually will have a marked impact?
3: Well, yeah, there's some, there's, there's some stuff out there that's, that's pretty interesting that, that CAR has its eye on. Um, one is SB 30 and AB 42, and this is the debt forgiveness income tax relief. Mm -hmm. As you know, the feds have extended the debt relief laws through the end of 2013. However, CAR has a bill that would do the same thing that's basically been shelved. And the reason is with the budgetary challenges that the state has, the the lawmakers are basically unwilling to move forward any bills that are not revenue neutral. And this one is being perceived in Sacramento as not revenue neutral. In
2: other words, it's going to have a cost – To the United States because
3: to the state of California, a potential
2: revenue stream that's being
3: suspended. Right. So we argue that that it's kind of a a, a built-in fallacy. The reality is this: this law is helping people who are in desperate financial situations. They can no longer continue to own their homes, and their homes are worth less than what is owed on them. So, just to explain this to to the listeners. What happens with the debt relief program is that, um, without this program, prior to two thousand seven, when uh, and eight, when these laws went into um, went into force the first the first time, if you short sold a house, sold it for less than it was worth, then you would get a ten ninety nine from your lender for the difference between what the loan the original loan was and what you Paid off, pay, paid the lender off for in the short sale, and that's treated as as income for tax purposes. So these people that were already incredibly upside down, losing their homes, would then get hit with the devastating tax bill. And um, the government is in in the attempt to get us out of the mess. Back in 2007, decided that this debt relief program was appropriate, and I really applauded it because it seemed like one of the very few things that we did to aid the guy on the street versus big business and the banks. Hmm. So I felt like it was, it was valuable and warranted because it gave these folks that were already struggling incredibly, just a little bit of relief um, from the situation that they're in.
2: Now you guys know that, um, for those of you that listen enough, know that, uh, Wes and I are very close friends and we work together professionally. We spend a fair amount of time together personally. Um, Oftentimes, I feel that uh, we're in concert on these kinds of things. Now, here with this debt forgiveness relief thing, I'm going I'm to want to lobby against this here and say, no way. I'm over it. Why? First of all, let's just go all the way back to the basics. And, and I'm going to challenge you to keep your argument on track here because I know what you're going to try to do to me. This guy signed up for a debt said, I want this house, and oftentimes was fed by this idea of magnificent appreciation where he would make more money off of this real estate, I'm doing air quotes here, real estate investment here with a negatively amortizing loan or some bizarro thing that he knew good and well was unsustainable, but of course was just going to play the market into a position of great riches. And... Absence. So he says, yes, I, I'll sign this note, and you can notarize it, and we'll record it, and I promise you I'm going to pay you back just like my father paid back. And next thing you know, the going gets a little bit tough, and this guy throws in the towel. Um, okay, I can, I can certainly appreciate um, the fact that you've sort of lost it all now and are going to be thrown out on the street. There's already mechanisms within our government that will allow you some shelter. You know, there's, of course, if you're facing this uh, potential uh, a bankruptcy or something like this, you may have to seek that shelter. But why is it the responsibility of the government to tell this guy, eh, you know what, it's okay? Yeah, you stiffed that bank over there for a hundred grand, but eh, there's nothing they can do to you. We're, we're okay with it. We're just going to say it's happening to everybody, so we're just going to let it happen. So that would be my first part of the argument is just incenting people, I think. And and granted, there's people that really need that protection. But I think furthermore, it incents people one more pro for letting the house go. but. That whole argument aside, isn't it over now? Everything I read is we're at the lowest foreclosures that we've had in years. We're at the lowest distress sales. Um, short sale numbers, are they rising or falling?
3: They're falling, but I think that's a little bit beside the point. I mean, we're only we're only lobbying for an extension of this thing for a few more months. I mean, until the end of two thousand thirteen, when I I think a little more appreciation is really going to turn this ship around. But I would I would make a couple arguments in response to what you've said. And first of all, I don't necessarily think from a very basic pragmatic um, position that that I disagree with what you're saying. However, the reality is our government spent billions of our tax dollars to bail this situation out and it bothers me that the lion's share of that went to big banks and big business and did little to help the guy on the street and not everybody that that found themselves in these situations Jason was the you know the the wheeler dealer that that went out on a limb and got a neg m loan i mean a lot of these people were first time home buyers that used this aggressive financing to get their family into a home And they're they are the ones that, um, along with the others, ended you know ended up in really scary situations. So, I would just suggest that if we're going, if our government's going to engage in bailout practices, let's have some policies that get it down to the guy on the street. I'm all right with that. Second, secondly, let me make this point as well. I think one of the one of the consequences of this of this particular piece of legislation. is good for everybody. It's good for the homeowners, it's good for the real estate market, and it's good for the banks. And that is it does inspire homeowners to participate in a responsible manner in a short sale process rather than to simply stop making payments, live in a house until they get thrown out on the streets, and when they go, take all the copper wiring and toilets and fixtures that they can strip out of the home. And I think that that's good for everybody. If we can encourage people to behave responsibly, engage in a short sale versus milk the system, then we are preserving the quality of homes, the quality of neighborhoods. We're doing a better job preserving market values. And the banks are actually coming out ahead because they're not ending up with these desperately damaged properties. Westbrook for mayor.
2: Now I I hear what you're trying to say, and I guess there's just there's a part of me that wants to say that number one, when you reference the big banks getting these bailout funds, I mean, first of all, you got to recognize that all of the dough that's been thrown around within the economy to both private and public enterprise to try to, you know, and specifically TARP funds and beyond, most of that stuff has some kind of repayment to it. And, you know, I mean, one of one of the little stats here, Fannie and Freddie have been one of the bigger liabilities to the country since this thing's happened. Um, They they are doing okay now, posting a decent profit. Um, The. Freddie announced this year, um, just recently rather, that they have earnings of $4.6 billion from January through March, um, making it profitable in the last six quarters and paying the U.S. Treasury a $7 billion dividend. So when we talk about, um, you know, all the money that's flowed out to big business and not really trickled down and hit the street to Joe taxpayer, I'm going, well, you know, if you actually go look at the scorecard on a lot of the big bailouts that have happened within the mortgage business lately, a lot of them have been paid back with some pretty sweet premium. Um, and so I feel like it's kind of a false argument to say that this is one of the ones that flow all the way down to the street because the second part of the bailout, that I do think affects all of the people um, that have kept their house in order is the fact that through stimulus and bailout, I mean, the, our really loose fiscal policy right now and the purchasing of mortgage-backed securities, which we've been doing for years on end, has benefited us all into a ridiculously low interest rate. And that's hit each and every person um, in in America, Whether or not you have a mortgage, you are enjoying something from these low interest rates. Whether it's your student loan rate being low, able to finance an automobile inexpensively, refinancing a house or something to a three and a quarter percent 30 year fix. There's been an awful lot of help that's made it all the way down to the street. And you know, as far as the heart or this uh, debt forgiveness relief thing, I think there is probably a place for it at some time. Um, and and it's – I heard you say that you guys are looking for extension through the end of the year. Um, that makes some sense, I guess. It was originally slated to expire last December. It's already on extension. We had a similar discussion then. I don't see the point in extending it. Uh, I mentioned it last week on the show just a little bit. Um, people were saying, you know, remember Kramer, this knucklehead with the buzzers and crap? Sure. He was on uh television what, 2009 was it? Wes? I you brought something into an office meeting regarding this guy called the bottom of the real estate market. Um we should be playing he was that pretty, the,
3: I think that actually turned out to be pretty doing, close,
2: didn't it? No, it was nowhere near. Um, we bled for 24 months after that guy said the bottom just happened. But anyway, my point being, when people said, "Then is it over?" Um, I just said, "Simply, you know what?" Every, I, and come on, I, I get it. We're not a big scale uh, firm. We're not. We're not, you know, shaking hands of everybody in the nation. I don't have that far of a reach, but I know what's happening within my sphere, both personally um, and professionally. And we encounter an awful lot of people at Central Coast Lending. Um, And when people are coming in day after day after day saying, I've not made a mortgage payment in 18 months. Um, we had friends and family members who were unable to make their mortgage payment and for one reason or another, um, stopping, and it was kind of everywhere you looked. I mean, and I, I asked this question to Dan a couple weeks ago, but um, so when somebody asked me, Is it over? No, I know. That I am only touching a small fraction of a percentage of people and a common thread amongst at least 20 or 30 percent of those people is they themselves have a mortgage they're not paying or a friend or family member that has a mortgage that they're not paying. And as long as that's the norm, it's not over. So I'll ask you here today, do you have friends, acquaintances, and people hanging around that you know haven't made a mortgage payment in a year?
3: i 'm not sure I can say yes to that anymore actually i don 't know anybody it's now that a while since i've run' across isn't making
2: their mortgage payment so if that 's the case and, and you answered similarly to Dan Dan said no, and I had pulled most of the loan officers around the company and stuff they 're not they people are making their mortgage payment and and it 's kind of like so these kinds of things um, I would only argue with eight hundred and fifty bills coming down the pipe and real estate being um, so critical to the economy and to our personal lives. It's in everything we touch. All of this stuff going on, maybe your guys' attention is a little better directed at something that is still an issue because how many people are actually going to need that short sale protection this year? I mean, they hung on through the worst of it. They hung on through the job cuts. They hung on through the program problems. They hung on through... All of that tough stuff, and now they find themselves here where I'll challenge you to find me a place in San Luis County that hasn't appreciated at least 15% off of the lows of um,
3: a couple years ago. Yeah, but Jason, that's not true all over the state. There's still places like Stockton that are bleeding pretty bad
2: and the okay and the and those there are people there that hung on this far and and just simply can't make it anymore
3: there are there um, are the, there are those people and and, right. and 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 additionally, you know, I think that it really makes a lot of sense for the state to come in line with with the feds on this thing too, because otherwise it creates a very complicated situation i mean, I would argue that there was a fair number of there's a fair number of, of real estate practitioners across the state that don't even understand that there is this malalignment between federal and state law currently, and may not be advising their clients that if you engage in this short sale, you're going to have a tax bill.
2: I hear you, and you know what, Wes? I, I'm going to—I'll say it here. I'm going to concede to you. Uh, there's nothing other than what I read and my experiences here. There's, there's not a statewide organization that, um, and this is one of the reasons that I, I always, um, I commend you. You are on the road constantly going to these things to stay informed. And aware, but also to be part of the advisory committees and stuff like this that are bringing these issues to light. I don't have that statewide um, viewpoint of this, I, and you know, and and I'm not actively out advising people every day about short sales and the potential ramifications. In fact, I'm pretty quick and eager to tell somebody, "You need to go talk to a pro about this because it ain't me," and I don't want to be. Um, you know called to the stand to say hey this dude over here said i was okay to do this foreclosure and now i'm paying x y and z um so so you're right i mean i'm not in touch with what's going on over in stockton and um and maybe it's that insulated nature of the central coast that that has me feeling like you know maybe the majority of this is behind us so there's I guess there's other parts in the state where we still need to give that meal ticket out. Well,
3: the thing is, is that I, I just don't – I don't see it really as anything other than revenue neutral anyway because we're talking about people, especially now, if, they, if, they, if they've hung on this long and they're now faced with a foreclosure or a short sale, they're really in financial trouble because they could hold on for not very much longer and appreciation is likely, would likely heal them, but – um, so so I would argue that these people that that are still finding themselves in these situations, they're broke. So when they get this tax bill, what do you think they're going to do? Not pay it. They're not going to write a check.
2: You know, and I'm going to give you fodder for your argument when we come back from the break here um, just because, you know, I'm – Wes, I'm a good debater. <laughs> I got thrown out of the debate team in high school, really? but uh, <laughs> exactly. but I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some fodder for your debate when we get back, so that next time you're gonna have guns blazing.
3: All uh, right, well let's let's give the number out so people can
2: call and weigh in on this five four three eight eight three zero. Maybe there's some people out here that have benefited from that um, debt. Relief Forgiveness Act and want to give an opinion about it, give us a call 543-8830 After this short break, we'll do another segment here with Westberg
1: For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home, and for over 30 years Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen What they offer is the quality of their people Agents working just for you Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com.
4: What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm.
0: Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez.
2: You wouldn't hike Mount Everest without a Sherpa, and you shouldn't endure the loan process without one either. At Central Coast Lending, we take the confusion, stress, and anxiety out of your loan transaction. Our experienced team of loan officers will serve as your guides, your experts, your mortgage Sherpas. Let the Central Coast Lending mortgage Sherpas lighten your load. Call Central Coast Lending today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. The fourth annual Barbecued Oysters and Beer Feast
0: kicks off Sunday, May 19th at Tognazini's Dockside 2. The party starts at 1 p.m. Tickets are just 20 bucks and include a half dozen barbecued oysters, a pitcher of beer, live music by Lenny Blue, and a live auction. Plus, free corn dogs and sodas for the kids. 100% of the proceeds go to help keep fireworks in Morro Bay. We'll see you at the fourth annual Barbecued Oysters and Beer Feast Sunday, May 19th at Tognazini's Dockside 2. Presented by Morro Bay 4th, Tognazini's, and this radio station.
4: Out of
3: this place It's a beautiful day Very Alright
2: everybody Welcome back to Mortgage Matters It's 1035 here on Saturday And uh, so I got Wes Burke here in the studio He's the uh, owner and operator of Patterson Realty And um, he's a wealth of knowledge in all things real estate And um, I, I said so earlier But this guy I don't know any other real estate agent that, that takes as much uh care over staying in in touch with like the C A R, N A R. I mean you're always in there. You're on you're always on an advisory panel or something, chair something or other. And and I see the value in that. It does bring value to me, that's for sure. So we tease the phone number. Let me give it again, five four We'll take a few phone calls now. Um, real quick, Wes, that's one of the main reasons that I did give my support to this Debt uh, Relief Forgiveness Act is um, these people are already broke, man. They don't have any money. And in fact, if you leave, uh, they're only out as bankruptcy. What we know is that they'll run up other – if, if you've got to go bankruptcy, may as well – include some credit cards, include some car, include some whatever you can. Um, and this, we know that this happens. I mean, this is one of the big debates over bankruptcy judges doing cram downs on mortgages and stuff. And and rather than go down that whole road, we went, we created the HARP program. We created um, the Making Home Affordable Modification Program. We've done a lot of these different kind of things to keep people from having to end up in that total wipeout of bankruptcy. And so I I definitely think that there's a great place for programs like that. Um my only complaint now is how long do we let it go on for? And and I, I think you've opened my eyes a little bit. There's still parts of the state that are still having that much trouble and I gotta make some concession. It's gotta still be at least on the radar. Um there was Nine hundred eighty thousand HARP loans done last month. Um, there's a lot of people still showing up with negative equity that need to refi, and so um, anyway, bingo, you nailed it. Well, let's hear what David from Napomo has to say about it. Morning, welcome to Mortgage Matters.
6: Good morning, gentlemen. Um, yeah, I I am taking benefit from the uh, HARP program. I. Uh, called the making home affordable number and uh after you know a lot of paperwork and stuff uh i was able to what what they did which doesn't make a whole lot of sense with me is uh, they forgave like 150 thousand hundred and fifty okay. thousand off my off my mortgage which brings it down into the price range but me uh I would have rather, you know, I feel like I owe that money, which goes back to what you were saying earlier. I owe that money, but what I, th- you know, I was just trying to get it down from a 6.5% mortgage rate, you know, down to something a little more reasonable to where I can make payments.
2: What kind of interest rate did you end up with?
6: Uh, well, they're still going to do, it's still going to be a 6.5% interest rate. All they're doing is knocking off the principal,
2: and is that one of those kind of shadow loans where if you ever sell the property for a gain, that they're going to end up wanting that money, or is that they
6: no, it's, no, it, okay. it, it didn't, it did not sound like that. Hey, so look, right, right now, right now, what I'm in doing right now is a trial period to make sure I can make, yeah, I can, I can make the loan payments. I've got one more
2: for and, June. And look, David, here's the, here's the other, other vantage point of what they've offered you. I mean, it's, it's almost six one, half a dozen the other. Getting your interest rate down to three and a half percent probably would have lowered the payment by 500 bucks a month. Um, cutting $150,000 off of the balance, likewise, gonna lower the payment about 500 bucks a month somewhere in that ball yeah, okay, or whatever. Gotcha. Okay. So it's almost a wash, but hey, your mortgage tax is deductible or your uh, that interest is deductible against your taxes, so you're almost in a better spot that they held the interest rate maximizing your deduction and got rid of some of the principal. And as long as they're not doing something where they're going to try to get that 150 from you at some point
3: later, I, I almost think that that's kind of a preferred thing, but it's probably better for you, David, and I think you've just got to kind of realize that they made a business decision. There's a reason that they chose to offer you that option rather than the interest rate reduction, and there's there's a benefit to them. You yeah, can count on it.
2: It's because the yeah, government. Yeah. It's because the government gave them two hundred grand for that hundred and fifty they cut off of you. <laughs> yeah,
4: that's that's
6: probably hey, it.
2: but don't tell anyone uh, that. The, the,
6: the other thing I'm, I'm thinking is, you know, after the three month trial period, uh, I'm. I'm thinking there will be documents drawn, maybe, maybe not. But at that point, if my house is more in line with uh, market value, maybe then I could come into you guys and, and see about refinance.
2: Yeah, you're 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 on the right track there, and we definitely see people do that now. Couple things: number one, during that trial payment part here they're generally marking your credit late. And I don't know all the yeah. circumstances for you, but oftentimes in order to get these kind of modifications, you've had some sort of a spotty payment history anyway. But my point is you generally are going to need at least six, if not 12 months of um, credit reporting that your mortgage is on time and as agreed. Um, doing that is going to make you eligible for one of the other programs and uh I can tell you that the odds of your loan being Fannie or Freddie owned are slim to none, so you'll be in one of the boats where you're looking for a refi and so in some cases, you could refinance up to ninety five percent of the property value um with just a normal loan, so um, you know the bottom line is you're going to be a lot closer to that happening, and then you'll kind of have your cake and eat it too. The fact that they got rid of that balance right. and then got you down to market value with a little bit of help and some clean payment history uh, will be able to to get you into a new loan where that you may be able to get that three or four percent interest rate so yeah
6: and and, and that's and- that's what I was wondering about the, uh, uh, the my credit because I'm making payments to another address. Uh, the the bank is, uh, is still sending me my statements and it's marking down, you know, past due, right? Whatever. But I'll note on that that if we're if we aren't in a trial period, then it will be. Uh, I can't remember but
2: um, yeah once the trial period's over that's when the docs are in place for this new payment and if you've made it's usually four trial payments sometimes six but if you made the trial payment for a while um, on time okay then they go ahead and finalize it into the um, the final one here and at that point it begins being marked as agreed so, so once so it,
6: I, I mean it, I've got uh, it's going against my credit score as of right now, and it'll take some time to rebuild that, you say?
2: Yeah, six to 12 months after that thing's been straightened out and provided that the rest of your credit stuff is okay, then it'll be time to start poking around and crafting the plan. Gotcha. Yeah.
6: Yeah, that's kind of what I was wondering, how long I'd I'd have to wait, so.
2: Yep. Hey, David, thanks so much for the phone call today, and congratulations on getting a loan modification. I know that's not a very easy feat. (laughs) All right, um, 543-8830 is the number, Five four three eight eight three zero. 8830 going to take a call from Pete and slow. Pete, good morning. Welcome to Mortgage Matters.
6: Uh,
7: I'm kind of mad at you guys. You're competing with some really good opera.
2: Uh-oh, but sorry. here I am with you. <laughs> well, thank you.
7: I came into this late, but I'm interested in this situation. I have an investment property, yep. just a major source of my income, and it's about, uh, I don't know, Fifty percent or more underwater, and I don't think appreciation will ever catch up to that. Um, and I just heard the tail end of your comments before the break. Where hang on, because appreciation is coming. Probably won't help me, and it's in a, and it's not my own my uh, my own home.
3: Yeah the is it is it a local property, Pete? No. Okay.
7: It's over in hell.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the
2: California Valley. Yeah, Bakersfield. So the context of the conversation here we were talking about is that uh, the mortgage – Debt Relief Forgiveness Act. Am I saying those words in the right order? Yeah, I got the words. Those are the words. Bottom line is, if you go through a short sale or foreclosure where the bank ends up suffering a loss because the property doesn't sell for what they're owed, currently on the books, there's a way, um, that you may get out of the tax consequences or other consequences that may come from that. Proven that, I mean, you have to be able to prove that you've, that you're insolvent, um, that you're unable to pay the thing. So that, that can be a tricky thing for some people, but, um, oh. the program is set to expire here soon. The California Association of Realtors is looking at, um, influencing California to extend that period here longer for the state. To coincide with the federal guidelines, right, Wes?
3: Yeah, that's correct. So right now, if you if you were to sell that property, for example, and it sold short, um, yeah. you would not receive a federal tax bill unless this piece of legislation that we're discussing is pulled um, out of sleeper mode and passed, you will receive a state tax bill. And oh. you, so the amount of money that the cell produces that is short, so in other words, you take the full debt owed minus what you pay the bank off.
2: So commissions, yep. closing costs, all this rigmarole, let's say the bank takes a $100,000
3: hit and when all right. said and done. You're going to get a tax bill from the state for $100,000 just like it was pure income. Well, well, you get a you'll get that is
7: it. a pending situation, or it, that is a situation.
3: That is the current situation, unless this legislation um, moves forward, and we were not encouraged by by the statesman in Sacramento last week um that's SB30 and AB42 and it does not look good for for this piece of legislation so but you know I, I think you've got more to more to weigh than just that if if you really feel like a sell of this property is is imminent because you obviously your tax liability is going to be significantly less even with the state bill this year than it will next year when you'll be hit with both a, a state and a federal
7: so that situation doesn't exist for the federal now, but it will next year.
3: Right. Yeah. The, this the piece of legislation um, that that offers the forgiveness of this tax is um, set to expire December thirty first, two thousand thirteen. And and I think that it's. Uh, while there is, there's always potential that they would extend it. I, I think that the odds are not great, to be honest with you. I, I think that yeah. the the argument that Jason made, kind of at the first of our dialogue about it, kind of being time to get to get over this, that's probably going to win the day in in Washington. And and I think that that this is probably the last year you'll see that that debt forgiveness on the books.
7: So that. Tax bill you get for that mythological hundred grand—that's automatic and will happen without a doubt.
3: It, yes, it it is it is the case right now it, for for the state.
7: Oh wow, I didn't know that. I thought there was there was some kind of state where that wasn't in effect.
3: Last year, both the feds and the st- and the state had legislation that that. Um, you know, offered this forgiveness. That legislation expired December 31st of 2012. The Uh feds extended it one more year, and our state is sitting on it.
7: Okay. One other question. Is there any relief for people that it's non-owner-occupied under TARP or MARP? (laughs)
3: Um,
2: Those rules are the same for all occupancies, and I'm unaware of any extra protection for... One or the other. Oh, I thought
7: it was only owner occupied. No,
2: it, it had originally, there was a lot of talk about whether or not your loan was owner occupied, whether you had done a cash out refi, whether there was a line of credit, all of these kinds of things. But I think in the end, at least my interpretation of it is that it cooked all the way down to there's a form your accountant prepares. That when you're issued that 1099, and the bank still gave them out, by the way, even last year and the year before, um, federally and state, there's a form that you have to fill out. I forget the particular name of the form. It's, you know, it's a schedule where effectively you list the 1099 income, um, and then basically it's a worksheet to document your insolvency. You're, you no longer own the property, so just making the monthly payment is simply not an option. You don't have the wealth it takes to pay the deficiency, um, and you're in a position where it just is what it is. So um, that that's a – but – I think everybody facing this should probably get some better legal counsel. Than, I was
3: just going to suggest the same <laughs> than thing. Than I mean,
2: could to a mortgage and a realtor.
3: It's obviously, it's pretty complicated tax stuff, and an accountant would be better equipped to to answer your specific questions. But let me ask you, Pete, before you go, sure. this this property is it is it cash flow neutral, or are you feeding it on a monthly basis?
7: It's slightly positive.
3: Okay, so that makes me kind of question why you would even contemplate letting it go. I mean, um, cash flow positive properties are, are pretty hard to come by. In fact, in San Luis Obispo County, they're very, very rare without significant yeah. down payments. So if, if you've got something that's neutral or slightly better, even though you may feel that, that the appreciation is, is not going to heal your uh, absence of equity, um, yeah. Maybe holding on to that thing is a, a better long term play. I mean, I, I don't Unless know if it
2: has a loan that is going to change and potentially make it cash flow
3: negative. Is that um, the is that the case?
7: Well, that, or, or you know, the water heater goes out. There, there could go the year positivity, Or uh, the cooler goes out or something. Any significant hassle or or repair.
3: Yeah, how much? Now
7: I've got something that's giving me nothing and it's a hassle and far away.
3: How long have you owned the property?
7: Oh, six or seven years,
3: yeah, right, so you've probably got another 24, 25 years on the mortgage. Uh, yeah, it was a thirty year thirty year product it
7: started out as one of those hot shot uh housing bubble loans, and then it kicked down to a thirty year or something. Actually, Jason has looked at it. Maybe he can say what kind it was, but
2: I don't recall the actual specifics, no. but I think it has an adjustable nature to it
7: yeah and I so, looked out it adjusted down instead but, of
2: up, but if and when the market moves to seven eight nine percent, this mortgage would move north of that, and thereby see and this is the this is the thing here. this is where yeah. the crux of all of this falls is as a homeowner, yeah, today i'm okay today, sure. Mm-hmm. But there's a train on my tracks, and it's coming for me, and at some point, I'm going to have to figure out how to either pay significantly more, and you may not be able to, let alone want to, um, yeah. or you're you're gonna find yourself in a position where it becomes you can you're no longer capable of keeping it afloat because of maintenance issues or, or the loan or whatever. And at that point, do you wanna walk up in twenty twenty and go through a foreclosure or a short sale? It's kinda like if if this you can't find the way out and you're a hundred thousand dollars upside down right now and that appreciation doesn't seem like it's gonna happen in your lifetime May as well get on the road to healing, I think, you know. I'll I'll take
3: the the other side of that debate. I mean, I understand what Jason's saying, and Pete, that may be the best course of action for you. But in San Luis Obispo, and I know this is very different than Bakersfield, but the reality is we've seen at least 15% appreciation in the last 18 months. And that's pretty aggressive. And Bakersfield, I I will give you, is not appreciating that rapidly. But places like San Luis Obispo start – this, you know, this, this trending. So Bakersfield will follow and it may not be that aggressive, but there is across the state, a housing shortage. And eventually that imbalance in the supply and demand equation is going to drive that market in the right direction for you. But above and beyond that, I am a huge advocate for, for real estate as a long-term Investment. My, In fact, my personal real estate investment strategy has always been focus on cash flow, buy properties that cash flow out of the gate and ignore the equity position in those because, frankly, Pete, I'm going to own the, my investment properties for as long as I live, and the goal for me is to create a significant enough cash flow from those properties that I can live without having to work. And I know 24, 25 years is a long time to have that thing paid off, but if you could hold on to it, and then that income um, – that, that's pretty significant income a, as a part of your retirement package. So don't ignore the long-term potential that that thing has to work for you.
7: That's been my strategy, but have you ever rented to anybody in Bakersfield?
3: <laughs> point taken, point Did you taken. you notice
7: my voice trailing off?
3: <laughs> yeah.
7: If you want a, a good time – deal with your average person over there. Um, it can take a lot of fun out of renting.
4: <laughs> yeah, um, I hear you. So I thought
7: I would, you know, I'm kind of into real estate in a lightweight way, and but I'm worried about this one because it, it's, like I say, it's more than 100% underwater now.
2: Hey, that um, last caller, though, David, got $150,000 knocked off the mortgage through a loan modification.
7: If I got a third of that, I'd be fine. Yeah. But... Um, I tried a few years ago and just got ignored by my loan servicer and lender. Mm-hmm. And then they, after driving me around and their own bank officers, they finally said, we don't do this for uh, non-owner-occupied.
2: After Right.
7: saying they did, and then they rejected it, and blah, blah, blah. I don't know if times have changed. That was about three or four years ago.
2: I, I, it's generally my opinion. I tell people... Check again. A lot's changed. Um, they're trying to – they want to be able to lay off their loss mitigation department that they've had to hire. They want to get rid of all of those people that are in there dealing with the problems. So – I think every month there's more motivation to try to fix up the, the little damages. Cause I mean, let's face it, this bank, they don't want to lose all this dough either. If they could come up with a solution for the both of you, that'd be good. But you're at the age old problem where you've been making the mortgage payment, uh, beg, borrow, or steal. They expect you'll continue to do so. Uh, so now it's your problem, not theirs. Um, you know, and, and maybe, maybe at some point in the future, you can figure out how to turn those tables.
7: You generally have to stop making the payments to get their attention.
2: Um, I. You won't pin me down to say yes, but let me tell you this from a banker standpoint. I've done this uh, drill here. Um, If I have two people coming to me for help, and one guy owes, you know, let's say they both owe two hundred fifty thousand bucks. The dude that's payment showed up again on the 1st is still worth five hundred grand to me, and the dude whose payment hasn't been there um, is worth substantially less than the two fifty. So, needless to say, you know who's going to get the attention. Um, that being said, I, it's not a practice of mine to tell people that not making a mortgage payment is a good idea. There's a lot of ramifications that come along with that, um, but you get the math. It's a balance sheet at the end of the day. And these these guys are bonused generally on um, their their performance, and as long as you're making the mortgage payment, you're earning that banker a bonus. So yeah. there you go, Pete. Thanks so much for That's your phone call so today. Hey, good luck with that, Pete. Thanks. All right. All um, right, we're drawing into the near the near the end section here of this little segment with Wes, and um, you are all gussied up
3: today. Where are you going? I'm going to go meet some clients in the North County. All right. Yeah, looking forward to it. So, you probably don't need any more clients then, huh? I would always love people that need help. I like helping people.
2: Um, Wes Burke at wesburke.com. That'll get you there. 801 something. 801 7061. It's my I, direct line. I knew that too. Wes likes a text too. So you could send him a text.
3: Yeah, send me a text. Let's go look at property. There's some property
2: out there. I think you probably best clients today have probably got to be in the 600 plus range. Huh? That's where there's no competition.
3: Yeah, uh, that that's a little easier client to work with. But, <laughs> but uh, I like helping anybody. First time home buyers, I love. Hey, well, Wes, I'm
2: grateful as always that you took time out of your busy schedule to come in today. And and also, I think today you can feel good about the fact, too, that we kind of spread out a little bit of knowledge here of things to come and things that people should be aware of because these are things that definitely will impact residents here on the Central Coast and beyond. So thanks again. Your contact info one more time, sir.
3: Telephone 801 7061, wes at wesbert.com.
2: I got another hour to go here. I'm going to bring on Julie Ogden from Habitat for Humanity. We're going to have a great time. So stick around. Another hour of Mortgage Matters coming. <laughs>
3: I here looking for something I couldn't find
4: anywhere else But well, I don't want to be nobody Just want a chance to be myself I've done a thousand miles of thumbing Yes, I've worn blisters on my heels Trying
3: to find me something better All right, everybody, welcome back to Mortgage
2: Matters. It's 1105 on on May 11th, and, um, you know, it's the strangest thing. You know, we have a little bit of a marketing team now that helps get things together for us because we can't be all places at one time. (laughs) Dan, if you're just joining us, Dan is out of the studio today. He's down south getting a little rest, and um, you know he'll be back next week. But So I had to have somebody to co-host with me this next hour, and it was pre-arranged. I got to admit, it wasn't a guest. I selected on my own, and I had to go to uh, centralcoastlending.com to find out who it was. So yesterday... I figured, well, I'm sure they put an article up, and there it is. Julia Ogden from Habitat for Humanity of San Luis Obispo County. There's a neat little write-up here on Julia. And um, let's see. We got... There's even a picture of you with a shovel here on my website. Yes. Did you see it?
8: I have. I actually helped pick it out.
2: (laughs) So is it Julie or Julia? Julia. Julia. Did I call you Julie when I came out before? I don't know. I made you Julie in my mind. Now I've got you as Julia. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, hey, welcome. Thanks so much for taking the time to come in today. Thank you. So Habitat for Humanity is what we're going to talk about for the next little bit. And, um... You know, we are, my office is scheduled to come out on the 24th and do, right. I have no idea what to expect other than <laughs> I'm tall and I'm strong, so I know you guys are going to make me reach and lift things and probably dig.
8: That's... Uh, maybe not digging all right i think you're off the digging list the okay. uh, the lot already has been trenched and set up for sidewalks in the parking lot so at this point we're just doing what we call the sticks and bricks but i think you can count on lifting we had quite a bit of wood that was lumber that was delivered That's fine.
2: <laughs> i grew up the son of a general contractor and my dad built spec houses and mm-hmm. always had things going on mm-hmm. and um I know what it is to be a laborer on a job site. Believe me.
8: And I think let's see, the twenty fourth, we may be sheeting the two two of the homes. All right. So that's big pieces of wood and a lot of nailing.
2: So I may have I may have accidentally gotten ahead of ourselves here. Let's back the train into the station here again <laughs> um, and tell me, uh, you know, I I want to just say I'll admit it. Um, Habitat for Humanity sounds like something I've heard my whole life. Um I'm not positive I know what it means. It seems to me that you guys help provide housing for people that probably otherwise aren't going to get any, but let's go back a little bit. Tell me about how did Habitat come about? How long have you been into this? How long has it been on the Central Coast?
8: Well, um Habitat for Humanity was actually cre- started in 1976 in Georgia. In America's Georgia home of jimmy carter okay and uh but it wasn't started by jimmy carter he is one of our spokespeople and actually he was just recently um building down in haiti so he's 80 mid 80s Mm -hmm. late 80s and he's still out there swinging a hammer Uh, but it was started by a gentleman named millard fuller who was a minister who looked around and said there's not enough housing and there's no way that uh, very low income people can ever consider purchasing a house and so he created Habitat for Humanity. Okay. Now it's an entirely different animal from what it started out when Millard um uh, who has passed um started the the program. It's now international. Uh we're the number 1 private builder in the United States. Wow. Um and the number 3 public, you know, if you put us into that area, we we'd fall in about the third. Okay. Um and Uh, We work all over the world. It's, you know, there's 1,700 affiliates, Habitat affiliates in the United States.
2: Okay, let's start with the most basic here then. Mm -hmm. If we want to build something, Mm -hmm. first we need land.
8: So oh how yes.
2: do we acquire
8: said land? Well, you know, on occasion, affiliates get some nice person who says, here's this plot of land. Do you want it? Can you build on it? We're still looking for that here. Okay. We would love to have that here. We
2: haven't had that in San Luis yet?
8: No, we have not. What we have had is the support of the cities in the county who have said, we don't have enough um, we don't have enough affordable housing in this county. And there's a state requirement that a certain percentage of housing built every year has to be affordable housing. We're not meeting that.
2: San Luis hasn't been very good at that. And I understand that's been one of the problems with the general plan here. Yeah, It's just not able to provide that. Now, I know I was a city and regional planning major at Cal Poly. I actually got that degree before I got into the mortgage business, but... Um, When they build a new project, the city will charge um, like in-lieu funds or something where they try to set aside some money or make an exaction on the developer within that project to provide some low-income parts or whatever inside a project. But is that – that's,
8: viable? that's San Luis Obispo. The city, the, city of Sa- itself. the city Every city is a little different. Um, so the city of San Luis Obispo says a certain percentage, if you're a for-profit builder and you're building, a certain percentage of what you build has to be for affordable housing. However, you can pay a fee and not build those houses. That fee goes into the city's affordable housing fund, which is what we dip into or we apply for when we need to purchase property. So, okay. um, for example, and in and, and, and a lot of other ways. So um, all the property we've purchased so far has come from some kind of government funding. Okay. Um, recently, we purchased... Uh, property in Arroyo Grande with RDA funds, and we just got confirmation we're going to be able to keep that property, that the city's not going to have to sell it and give the state the money back. Mm. Um, so we've got that piece of property. Wait, what's
2: RDA funds?
8: Redevelopment Agency, okay. which the governor eliminated, and uh, with the support of the legislature, but what we have found is that the legislature did not realize that 20% of those RDA funds went for affordable housing. So
2: How disappointing is it, by the way, that we got rid of the redevelopment districting type of thing.
8: Yeah, it, it is for us. I, I mean, I, I I know that there were a lot of concerns about what RDA funding was being used for, and I don't have an opinion because I don't know enough to be able to say well, anything. I but.
2: worked for the city of Atascadero what feels like a lifetime ago, but I'm not even old enough. <laughs> um, there is a redevelopment district up there. Yeah. And if you recall, and I don't know how long it's been since you've been to Atascadero. I live there now. Um, there was a wasted gas station Mm -hmm. with a chain link fence around Mm -hmm. it in front of the Rite Aid, Mm -hmm. which was next to the Goodwill trailer, um, which was generally used as like the in town dump site in the middle of the night for just refuse that people didn't want to drive out to the landfill. And most of the businesses there and out, 41, um, it didn't look good. And um, today, when you look at it as a result of the redevelopment district, it's pretty sweet. They built some new buildings. They Mm -hmm. cleaned it all up. They got that old gray-filled gas station out of there. And there's actually thriving businesses on top of it. It's created so many jobs really dressed up Atascadero pretty well.
8: And the reality is there was a lot of good stuff that was happening with the redevelopment funds. And I can tell you that with the elimination of the RDAs, there was $4 billion lost for affordable housing and 500 habitat houses that were not built. As a result.
4: Wow. That's
8: a lot of houses. That's a lot of families that are going, that are living in substandard housing, most likely. Yeah. So it, it, um, it has been a benefit to us. We did lose the $275,000 the city of Paso had set aside for us for uh, an upcoming build there. So we're scrambling a little bit to fill that gap. But, um, you know, there aren't, there aren't a lot of large corporations in our, you know, PG&E, the gas company, Um, so, when we get grants, we usually get five to ten thousand dollars, but a piece of property will cost us between two hundred and twenty five and three hundred thousand dollars. So, it um, takes a lot
2: of five to ten thousand dollars donations it to does swing that.
8: and we and we want to keep building, so we're going to go for government funding now, you know government funding has a lot of strings attached to it that we pass on to the families, which I'll explain to you when we get to that part. But you asked specifically right now, we're buying property with government funds,
2: okay. Good. Um, We are going to manage this hour well by using our commercial breaks. Wes and I stormed through a few of the breaks last time, but um, we're going to make that happen. So let's do the first commercial break of the show. Um, I want to invite you guys during the break. Why don't you go to the Habitat for Humanity um, website here and... You might just want to Google it, frankly. It's (laughs) hfhsloco.org. (laughs) <laughs> That's probably I, not how know, you would have read that call that sign, would you? I but I just went to, you know, Habitat for Humanity, San Luis County on the Google. It seemed easier. Uh, but check that out. Acquaint yourself with the website. We get back. and keep this discussion going. Um, and guys, uh, I'm not going to be shy about it. A lot of this hour spot here, we're going to figure out how to get you involved. So you got you got to do your part. Go to the website. Check it out we got another 45 minutes here on the show. We are going to expect that each one of you is going to figure out how you can help the cause. So stick with us after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. Homeowners, do you have an FHA home loan older than May 31st, 2009? You can now refinance your loan even if you're upside down without an increase in your mortgage insurance premium, without an appraisal or income documentation. As of June 11th, the new FHA Streamline program allows you to refinance to today's low rate, even if you're underwater. If you have an FHA loan that began prior to May 31st, 2009, call 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626 or log on to centralcoastlending.com. Central Coast Lending, the Mortgage experts.
0: The fourth annual Barbecued Oysters and Beer Feast kicks off Sunday, May 19th at Tognazini's Dockside 2. The party starts at 1 p.m. Tickets are just 20 bucks and include a half dozen barbecued oysters, a pitcher of beer, live music by Lenny Blue, and a live auction, plus free corn dogs and sodas for the kids. 100% of the proceeds go to help keep fireworks in Morro Bay. We'll see you at the fourth annual Barbecued Oysters and Beer Feast Sunday, May 19th at Tognazini's Dockside 2. Presented by Morro Bay 4th, Tognazini's, and
1: Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com.
2: Whether you're a first-time home buyer or a savvy real estate investor, there's no denying that now is a great time to buy. We pride ourselves in offering every loan program at the lowest interest rate and the lowest fees. FHA, VA, USDA, conventional, we do it all. Let Central Coast Lending do your next purchase. Your loan will close on time and on budget with no last-minute surprises. Call Central Coast Lending today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, The Mortgage Experts. The
4: state of denial is a drag and a trial.
2: When I bought my cheap
4: insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. I called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm.
0: Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez.
2: Your Jim is a true professional, and if you want to call me, five four three eight eight three zero is the number. Five four three eight eight three zero. In the event that you like using many more numbers, you can use the eight hundred number, which is eight hundred five four nine five eight three two. Don't we all have cell phones now that are like nationwide, no long distance? So. 800 oh, numbers. In are,
3: case that person from Wisconsin is actually about the show.
2: Yeah, you know, you yeah. never know. There you go. So, but anyway, thank you for, again, a tasteful. we
1: audience on this show. You forget about that. A
2: tasteful music bed bringing us back from the break. Thank this you. is an interactive talk radio show, so we'll take <laughs> your calls when you're ready. Now, we were just... Getting into this, Um, so we kind of started out talking a little bit about Habitat for Humanity. We know kind of where it's coming from now and who the target audience is. If you want to build a house, you got to have some land. It sounds like Mm -hmm. we rely heavily on government um, funding sources to be able to get the resources to acquire the land. It would be very tasteful um, for somebody to leave in their will or estate a few acres for habitat to build a cool little project.
8: It would. You know, we 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 do have a um, procedure for evaluating the land to make sure it's something we can build on. But we will... Love the gift, and we've had people, you know, include us in their wills, and they just uh, haven't died yet. They, well, you know, a couple have, it. <laughs> and uh, somebody uh, left us a piece of property with a house on it that has somebody who is buying it, and we're getting the payments, the house payments. Oh, cool! So on a monthly basis for that's good. yeah, that's a great gift to us. All
2: right, so let's get let's get here now to the next step. You okay. got the land, mm-hmm. um, and. We probably are going to get to the labor part in a minute, but it's going to cost some money to build the house, right? So unless. 84 Lumber's delivering a free um, set of all of the lumber required to build a house. You're going to have to buy all the materials, right?
8: We do, except for, and this is really a great segue, because we've we've sort of alluded, I've alluded, we're, well, we're, you know, we're building again.
2: We're professionals here on the show. We've, we've been doing the show for five years. <laughs> you're so leading
8: me on segues, through here. Okay, so I segue. mean, they're
2: sort of like second nature at this point.
8: Um, we are building right now, and part of the way that we keep our costs down uh, um, is that a lot of what we do is with volunteer labor. Unless we have to have a licensed contractor for electrical or plumbing, we're looking for volunteers to be out there. But what's unique about this bill that's going on right now it's that the home builders association for the central coast has stepped up and they are building one house in four weeks in a blitz build effort and that means their members are bringing materials and labor um for that house and in some cases they're bringing it in for the other two houses too Wow! so it, it, this has been a phenomenal i think um, opportunity for us. We're, we're, wait, wait you know.
2: we went over this a little quick.
8: Yes. Who is the organization? Okay, the Home Builders Association. Because they
2: deserve some accolades. They do. Let's, let's they slow do. the boat down here.
8: And and to be honest with you, it's a national organization. This sure. is the local chapter. And the Home Builders Association nationally has been working with Habitat International since 2003. Okay. And they have built... Over 800 houses with affiliates throughout the country, uh, 200 in the last two years.
2: But where the rubber meets the road here mm-hmm. is these are local builders these that are... are putting their money where their mouth is, and they're showing up with time and materials That's for right. the project. That's right. So
8: they could be contractors, they could be electricians, plumbers, we have framers out there, but they're also uh, people who provide cabinets and windows, and you know, it's it's not just the actual construction, it's the things that go into the house that they're providing. So it's, it's really Exciting! They've been out there, and uh, one of the three houses will obviously be done much quicker uh-huh. than the other two. But the families can't move—you uh, know—can't move in until the other two are completed. Okay, because it's an active construction site. Sure, we've got stuff out there. Okay,
2: so that's good, and um, so then I guess the next part of this is probably the mortgage part because these people aren't getting a free house.
8: No, they're not. Um, it's it's really quite complex. I know I have heard uh, several times since I've had this job for the last three years that people have the perception we give the houses away, and we do not. And these families, you know, buy them just like anybody else. What's different is. That these are very low income to low income families, 30 to 60 percent of the average income for the county. Um, people who would never qualify uh, for a standard mortgage, they never would. Um, but they still have to meet financial criteria. So uh, when we look at them, um, you know, they, well, let's just do the general criteria. They have to be between 30 and 60 percent. of the average income for the county. They have to be a U.S. citizen or have a permit, be a permanent legal resident. They have to have good credit, not perfect credit. They have to have a regular source of income that comes in. There has to be a need. We take a look at their living circumstances and they also have to commit to 500 hours of sweat equity. Um, to build their houses. So when your team's out there, you're going to get to meet the families.
2: So I'm curious about the debt-to-income ratio component of Mm -hmm. this. So... Supposing that somebody's 30 to 60 percent of the, uh, is it the median income for yeah, the?
8: for the average income for the county. For yeah. the
2: county. So, mm-hmm. and which is, what's the average income for the county now? Well, I know it depends on household size, but let's right. just say a family of four.
8: It, for our purposes, um, they'd have to have an income of $40,000 and less. Okay. A year.
2: Now, um, coming out the other side of that, are you guys sort of uh, backing into how much mortgage they can afford?
8: We do in an interesting way. Uh, And that gets even more complex. So their mortgage payment, their monthly mortgage payment... Cannot be more than 30% of yeah, their Yeah, I was going yeah, yeah. to say, we're talking right,
2: probably $1,000 to $1,300 right. would be the norm of what those guys could be expected to pay.
8: Well, but that's not what they pay okay. because our, our there are a couple things that go on. They don't pay the appraised value of the house. That's not the sales price. Um, the sales price is sometimes set by the city or okay. the government entity that we've gotten money from. To yeah,
2: are they going to get some money back at the sale for you no. dipping in to get the acquisition money? No,
8: no, they okay. don't. Normally, the price for a uh, a home for these families is between one hundred and fifteen and one hundred and thirty five thousand dollars for houses that will out at three hundred sure. so. and fifty thousand
2: dollars. that was and that was my as you were talking my next. Yeah burning question here is are they getting that deed restriction that says if they sell in the next 30 oh. years or whatever that habitat will have the first right of refusal and or be entitled to profits or
8: that's something well let's 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 talk about yes and and a little bit more okay. so we have the right of first refusal absolutely and the sales price cannot be the appraised value so we also have an equity sharing agreement with them that says that they earn no equity in their home Home until starting year 21 of a 30-year mortgage, okay. and then they earn 10% a year. So if they need to sell their house before 20 years, it's a wash. We take the house, they walk away. And still a
2: good deal, though, because they have subsidized housing exact- for 20 years.
8: Exactly right. But with government funding, because the government has the requirement for affordable housing, they put a 45-year wow um you can only sell to a very low to low income person and that's only after we you know if we don't exercise our right of first refusal. If they sell, let's say, to a moderate income person, their pro rata share of the funding we got, so let's, uh, Phillips Lane was around $300,000. There's two houses on there. So if they sell to a non low income person, their $150,000 comes immediately due.
2: Okay.
8: And they're not going to have that, or it'll, it's still kind of a wash because they have to pay us off.
2: And all of the purpose know, of these regulations here to make sure that. The people that are getting this assistance aren't going to make a profit from it, right. and that it's going to per, it's going to serve its initial purpose, which is to provide housing for low income e- people.
8: Exactly right. We don't want them to flip the houses, um, and we and but it's more than that. We want them to stay in the houses because what we have found, what Habitat has found, is that these families. Okay, I'm going to back up a little bit here again. Habitat addresses what we call generational poverty, not sure. situational poverty. So these families, their parents, their grandparents, and their great-grandparents have all lived at the poverty level or very low income for their entire lives, and they've never been able to generate enough income to go to college or something like that. So when we select our families, that's a consideration, and we're trying to break that cycle. So, And the reason we're doing that is because we know that they, these families do better if uh, they're in a stable environment, the kids do better in school, their health improves, they, they're more involved in the community, they're taxpayers now, um, and because the average mortgage for our house is between 400 and $600 a month um these family and the houses have solar panels so they save on utility bills etc cetera, etc cetera. they can start putting money away for their own college education or for their children's college mm-hmm. education and what we're f- the other thing that's interesting about this is that because the families have to put in 500 hours of sweat equity it's not like you and me we drive down the street and we look at a house and go oh gee that's a nice house i think i'll Try to buy it. Sure. They know every aspect of their house because they're building it. And the okay. sense of pride and community that goes into that, it's rare that you get a Habitat family that wants to sell their house. Sure. Um, and we set up the mortgage documents so that if anything happened to the parents, the house automatically goes to the children. Okay. So, uh, you know, our goal is to keep the kids in, in that environment that they're they're used to.
2: Wow. All right. It's making sense so far. I mean, I I think we're in practice here. We're figuring out what it takes to go into this. And it seems like the next logical step is probably going to be um, talking about the build process and the volunteers that are so necessary.
8: Well, I think there's a couple other things I think I'd like to bring it up on the mortgage side of it if I can. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that is our selection process takes six months. So when the applications come in, we have a finance review committee. And they're uh, mortgage bankers um, who volunteer their time. And we train them to understand this isn't like they're conventional. <laughs> you know, sure. It, it's, it's a little different. than, um, But we go through the credit reports. We go, we check with their employers. We look at their tax returns. We talk, we get personal references, and that all goes to the finance committee. And we lose at least half the applicants right off the bat. The second part has to do with determining whether these families are ready to accept the responsibility of homeownership. This isn't we're not a landlord. We're not a social service agency. They're buying a home. So we believe in a hand up, not a handout. So then the families go through the remaining families go through a very intense interview process where we're pretty well grilling them on what do you think homeownership is and what do you think you're going to have to do. Um, And this time around we had about 23 applications, um, and we got down to four families for that final interview. The tough thing is we have three houses. Uh, uh, so we had to determine from those four ham, ha, you know, families who were the best. Pick the three. one with
2: the cutest kids, right?
8: No, that wasn't. <laughs> They've all got really <laughs> cute kids, though. <laughs> you know, but it's it's a tough process, and I guess I want your the people listening to this to understand that we don't just hand these houses out.
2: Yeah, that's an important thing. I mean, because I because I believe that of the listenership. I got to imagine that there are some people that are thrilled that you guys are picking up and doing something that um, the government really can't do. Mm -hmm. And it's nice that the government has set aside some money through various creative ways to meet this demand. But this isn't something that we should really even expect the government to be managing. Um, Mm -hmm. It's tricky, and there's a lot of moving parts. Um, And so there's a segment of people that are happy that you guys are doing this work, and there's no doubt a segment of people that are listening that are going, you know, oh, look at this. They're taking government money, (laughs) and they're they're probably drug addicts and this kind of thing, and they're giving these poor people people houses and you know the reality is here um you struck a chord with me a minute ago when you you were saying that you're looking to interrupt the cycle of generational poverty Mm -hmm. and to create a pride of ownership and somebody that really values that and to to really kind of rewrite the future for a, a family and that that's that's pretty awesome stuff.
8: And it's a huge responsibility. I should say, Habitat is the mortgage lender also. And uh, our mortgages are 0% you know zero interest. Um, that's part of the deal. But Habitat forecloses. So we expect the families, this is a business deal as right. much as it is a hand up. And so these families have to make their mortgage payments on time. And if they don't... You know, we will start default proceedings. And so go to if Fort you guys closing. aren't
2: charging any interest, mm-hmm. um, how do you, how's, where do you get this money from that you're lending out to people for <laughs> 0% interest?
8: Well, you know, um, I, I should point out that it costs us because we don't get the prime pieces of property. Sure. So site development is very expensive for us. Usually a house, uh, individual house will cost us between one hundred and $160,000 to build. So we're selling them for 115 to 135 Yeah,
2: so I, this mm-hmm. is the part I need you to fill in for me. How do you buy the <clears throat> business and pay to keep it?
8: <laughs> well, you know, it, it really is. You know, I do feel like I'm tap dancing a lot in the sense that there are so many parts to Habitat. It's the most complex nonprofit I've ever worked for, and I've been in this business for 28 years. We do have two restores here in the county, and we're hoping to open a third. And um, the stores sell, we get donated items, construction items, home improvement items, and um, they really keep us going. Um they they Where
2: uh, are those stores? There's
8: one here in San Luis Obispo on Tank Farm Road right across from the Kennedy Fitness Center. Okay. And the other one is in Paso off of Ramada Drive. It's right on the Templeton Paso border, right off of uh Ramada Drive and Marquita on Limestone Way.
2: Now forgive me, I've never been in one of these fine establishments, Shame but on what are you. they? I mean, are they selling <laughs> building materials? Um
8: it, you know, uh, Yes and no, um they really are home improvement centers, um and we get a lot of things that are brand new. We have donors like miners and Lowe's and Home Depot who discontinue items and bring stuff in we get We recently got pallets of tile from home depot and 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 Lowe's brings in windows and doors, and Miners gives us all their mistinted paint at least. I would say at least $30,000 a year worth of paint. Wow. Um, So you can come in there and find brand new stuff, cabinets, doors, windows. Um, But a lot of people who are remodeling their homes bring in their cabinets and their toilets and their sinks and their flooring, and and, uh, we clean it up and we resell it. And since those items are donations, you know, it's not like... um, we have inventory per se. It's, it's strictly donations. We sell everything for between 30 and 50% less than they would cost, whether they're new or used. Um, and all that money goes in to support our mission.
2: Sounds like there's a a handful of ways that the average person could get involved to help. If for no other yes. reason, you could donate some stuff there. You could go buy some stuff there. You could
8: volunteer you in could our restores. You could go work there. Yeah.
2: It sounds like there's a lot
8: of work to do there, too. The restores work because we only have one and a half staff in there. Everything else is done by volunteers. So if you want a volunteer opportunity go. You know, and you don't want to swing a hammer, go to the restores. We do do events. We have our Hike for Habitat, You know, the standard nonprofit events. That's where we get a lot of money. Um, and we've been able with the corporate sponsors we have, I'd like to say thank you bank America because they have given us over $120,000 in three years.
2: Um, we don't thank bank of America on this show.
8: <laughs> we think bank of America. <laughs> I'm
2: just teasing. Yeah, they, <laughs> I love that. So bank of America has been a good sponsor yeah, for you And
8: guys. you know, you had on, you were on your advertisement, State Farm. State Farm came in and donated $5,000 to the build you're going to be. Yeah. So we've got we've got some good, strong corporate sponsors out there.
2: That's awesome. We need to do another commercial break here. If you guys have questions or comments, want to sh- call and share your opinion, you can. 543 is the number. 543-8830. We're going to do a quick commercial break here. We'll be back with more Mortgage Matters. Stick around.
1: For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson 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 Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people. Agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com.
2: You wouldn't hike Mount Everest without a Sherpa, and you shouldn't endure the loan process without one either. At Central Coast Lending, we take the confusion, stress, and anxiety out of your loan transaction. Our experienced team of loan officers will serve as your guides, your experts, your mortgage Sherpas. Let the Central Coast Lending mortgage Sherpas lighten your load. Call Central Coast Lending today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts.
4: The state of denial is a drag and a trial When I bought my cheap insurance Should have known this day would come Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone Called them at least 20 times But they won't pick up the phone Without personal service My policy's kind of worthless Get to a better state State Farm
0: Switch to State Farm and you can save To find out more in San Luis Obispo Call agent Susan Rodriguez the fourth annual Barbecued Oysters and Beer Feast kicks off Sunday, May 19th at Tognazini's Dockside 2. The party starts at 1 p.m. Tickets are just 20 bucks and include a half dozen barbecued oysters, a pitcher of beer, live music by Lenny Blue, and a live auction, plus free corn dogs and sodas for the kids. 100% of the proceeds go to help keep fireworks in Morro Bay. We'll see you at the fourth annual Barbecued Oysters and Beer Feast Sunday, May 19th at Tognazini's Dockside 2. Presented by Morro Bay 4th, Tognazini's, and this radio station.
2: Welcome back. You know, uh, Julia says you're playing the music for my generation, and I'm saying maybe it's because I'm an old soul. But this feels like the music for my generation. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying. You know. I mean, I don't. I don't have any Justin Bieber. Uh, neither
3: do I I, well I probably do by default over here
2: hey maybe you could do some Bieber on the next break
8: my granddaughter's favorite singer my kiddos
2: listen to Justin Bieber and I'll tell you not to get too far off subject because I've been known to do that (laughs) but I did I I don't (laughs) (laughs) I watched that um the movie that he did, the Never Say Never. Have you you probably seen it then? Mm -hmm. It's actually a pretty remarkable tale. Yeah, it is. And the kid seems talented um, and they portrayed him really well, though lately in the media he looks like another snot-nosed punk that needs to figure out where to fit in. (laughs) I didn't say
8: that. (laughs) In case Cleo's listening, I did not say that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) My kids are probably listening. They're mad at me. My daughter might still be in her Bieber pajamas. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, hey, listen, if you're um, confused about what's going on here, joining us during talk of Justin Bieber and odd things like that, um, <laughs> I've got Julia Ogden here with me today, and we've been talking all about Habitat for Humanity for San Luis Obispo County. Um, I feel like I've really learned a lot. Yeah. Um, I know you were on the show once before, probably about a year ago with Dan. Right. Um, I wasn't there that day. No. Um, I thought I was, though. And, and I was like, how do I not know enough about this today? Um, which generally is a good thing. It makes for better radio if I'm interviewing you on something I feel like I genuinely don't know and want to know.
4: Got
2: it. So at any rate, um, it's been so far a great show. Well, and I'm you. happy to have learned so much. You sound... Um, like this is your life's mission. I mean, this is more than a job for you.
8: It it is. Um, You know, it's interesting. I got out of law school and went, what am I going to do? And I immediately went to work for nonprofits. I'm never going to be able to retire. But it, I I sleep well at night. But Habitat is, you know, when I I was called and told I got this job, it was like, I just know this is where I'm supposed to be. In the right place at the right time, I'm supposed to be doing this. And, And you've
2: been with them now for six
8: months? (laughs) Three years. Three years now. Awesome. And uh, it's, um, you know, when I came on, this was, uh, you had asked earlier, this affiliate was started in 1997, but it didn't start building until 2003. And, you know, it was started by a a lot of people with big hearts and great intentions. Um, But there's a point. For every nonprofit that 's how every nonprofit starts out sure. and there 's a point where you go okay we 're a business too and and in order for us to do our mission we 've got to change some things and so I was hired to move us to that next level yeah. and it's been it 's been an incredible um, experience, uh, a humbling experience. I go out to the the build site right now every Monday morning at seven a m and sit by myself before the volunteers come out and just drink my coffee because to sort of absorb that achievement with everything else, and we're changing our mission. We're ch- we're in the middle of a huge change. We're moving into we're going to keep building houses, but we're also going to start working in low income communities in the county and um, rehabbing and refurbishing low income homes there, so that the neighborhood doesn't deteriorate. Sure. So, you know, it's it's a real big time for us right now.
2: It sounds like it. How recent have the stores been added?
8: you know um initially uh, the the first store the one uh well, <laughs> it's the one up in paso, but it it used to be down here in slow um that was started fairly early around two thousand two. And then we added the second store here. Um, it's probably about five, six years old. Okay. Um, so it's it's well maybe a little bit older than that, but it's it's not as old as the one up north, which is about ten years old. Yeah. Um, and that you know, it's a great way for a, a habitat to get some money to build and, and complete its mission. So the the founders were real quick about getting us a restore going. It was out at uh, Cuesta for a oh, while.
2: Oh, okay. So the, um, the next couple of things I feel like we should begin to cover is, and we're piecing this together so far, but um, sounds like government money probably for land acquisition cost, mm-hmm. or somebody could pony up and donate some land.
8: We'd love that. That would be
2: pretty sweet, <laughs> right? Um, and then the mortgage part of it sounds pretty complex, and it sounds like you guys probably lose a fair amount of money on that. Part of the exchange
8: well on the books it looks like it the reality is the mortgage money comes in every month and we use that also sure. you know for the build it's um i should say we get government money government money for building too the the fair wonderful citizens of california passed a proposition a few years ago that allowed money to be put away in what we call cal home funds um for building purposes it's and and What we do, it comes in as first-time homeowner's assistance at $60,000 a family. And we apply that to their mortgage, but they have to pay us back, not the state. So we have $300,000 in CalHOME from these two, the build on Phillips Lane and Slow and the current build on Rockview Place. So over the next 30 years that $300,000 will come back to us. Come back through. Yes, and we're doing the same thing at our Paso build of 10 houses. Um, we've just applied for $600,000 there, and we get construction loans with that money. To, yeah, it's, it's all very interesting it how we do all this. It's
2: relatively complicated. <laughs> it
8: is. It and is. then, of
2: course, there's the stores where we could volunteer our time. We could potentially um, donate and drop off building materials and –
8: Lots of things.
2: I doubt you want somebody bringing, like, some old tattered screen door. But if you're removing an entry door for an upgrade and
8: it's
2: aesthetic and functional, something you guys probably would like.
8: Well, and our managers do take a look at everything that comes in. You know, we do evaluate it, make sure it's something that we can resell. But I have to tell you, we got seven bags of golf clubs to the store in the north, and we took them. And we sold them. Wow. <laughs> and uh, somebody brought in about five boxes of videotapes uh, a couple of months ago, and we put them on the shelf. We're selling them for like 50 cents or a dollar. And what's happening is people buy them, and they bring them back. And they'll buy others, and they'll bring them back. So now we've got a little video business going on up yeah. at the store in the north. Who knew? you know? And it's, it's fine.
2: Yeah, interesting. Um, and then I think that the next piece that seems – um, well, so obviously people could donate money. And I saw Absolutely. on the site if you can't, you're not able-bodied to get out and mm-hmm. donate your time and mm-hmm. you don't have building materials or these kinds of things that you feel like you could donate, then you could certainly um, pony up with some good old-fashioned cash. <laughs> and I assume <laughs> it's tax that. deductible.
8: It is. Uh, okay. we, we send you a letter and, you know, acknowledge the gift and we truly appreciate it. And, you know, for this build, we've gotten quite a few team builds, like what your company is doing. And, uh, you know, uh, they make a donation of about $1,000, and they come out and swing hammers. It's yeah. It's wonderful.
2: Um, yeah. And we, we always try to do something like this with the company every year where, um, you know, I mean, frankly, we're – we do the kind of same thing day in and day out. Yeah. And so it's nice to be able to mix it up a little bit and get everybody together in a mm-hmm. way that's fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's fun to see Heidi in a hard hat and, <laughs> you know, work boots on sure. this kind of thing. But, um, it's just one of these things where it's also just important to do these things. Cause the reality is if, if nobody takes the initiative to do it, then mm-hmm. it goes mm-hmm. undone. And we recognize that this is a part. And so, um, that's what we have to offer. Um, a little bit of money and some labor. Um, but it sounds like, um, you guys will accept labor, volunteer labor, um, in most capacities. And I doubt it's something where, you know, um, you know, those commercials are on TV right now about, um, being a foster parent. Oh, yeah. And yeah. the gal's talking about, you know, well, could you make, um, brie mac or whatever it's some kind of macaroni and cheese with some exotic cheese kind of thing and <laughs> and it's like if it's kind of like that i don't need to be a builder and i don't need to have no. nail bags no. and a bunch of experience no. um just need to be able to come out and carry some things around and
8: well we provide the tools and the first thing that you get when you come on the site is safety training um, but we provide the tools the hard hats and the training on how to use the power tools uh, or even a hammer. So you know, it's it, once you're on the site, if you've never used a drill, I love I love it when women are on the site, because they rarely pick up power drills. And once we get them trained on the power drills, we can't get it out of their right. hands. So they walk around all day with the power drills. It's actually kind of fascinating. But um, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. You know, we'll find something that fits your talents. And if you're uncomfortable using a power tool, there's always something else that needs to be done out there. Um, right now, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, we're doing a women's build and we're recruiting women to come out on the site uh one i think it's a week and they will build during the week we're training them right now as a matter of fact right now up at lowe's uh because lowe's gave us fifty thousand dollars thank you lowe's And and part of that is sponsoring a women's build and they're training the women up there right now on framing and drywalling so they're going to be out there doing those sorts of things. And we give them pink hats and a bunch of other things. And uh, So, you know, if you're a lady who has your own home or you're sharing it with your husband and, and uh, you know, you want to get into the repairs around the house, this is a good way for you to be trained.
2: Yeah. It's a well, volunteering. That sounds good.
8: All we're asking is you come for the week. Yeah. You know, come out and build for a week. One week? Um, you know, I don't think everybody will be able to do the whole week. I think we'll probably end up swapping off teams, but it's the women's build itself goes for a while. One okay. week. Okay,
2: yeah. yeah, all right. Um, we've talked a bit about the, um, the project lately, mm-hmm. and I feel like maybe we should hone in a little bit on that. Where is said project?
8: The project is at 3212 Rockview Place, which is behind the Orchid Shopping Center on Broad. Mm-hmm. Broad and Orchid, it's behind that, across the street from the Crystal Springs Water Company. Okay. There are three houses going up on the lot, and when you get there, you'll see what we mean when we say we build simple, decent, affordable houses. These are three-bedroom houses, two stories, but they're only 1,070 square feet. Hmm. They are small.
2: And you've already um, selected the families? That... We have.
8: The families are out there building.
2: So we're going to meet the families? You will. Okay. You will. And um, get to be a part of it. You know, my favorite thing, uh, right after high school, I I worked with um, some Guys that were a little bit older than I were, more experienced, but I was kind of the the third man on the gig, and we built a couple spec homes, and Mm -hmm. um, what was really gratifying for me is just at the end of the day, as you're packing up, exhausted, you can turn (laughs) around from the street and look at what you did, Yeah, and you can see what you accomplished today as a group, and it's pretty remarkable what... um, a, a dozen hands or so can get done on a, on a house like that in exactly. a day.
8: Yeah. And, I mean, we imagine we'll have these houses done by the middle of August. Okay. Um, uh, and this build is unusual. We don't normally build four or five days a week, and we are. We're building five days a week. It's tied to this whole funding thing. We have sure. to close escrow within a certain time. But, um, you know, so you can even see more of what you're talking about. It's like if you'll go out there on the 24th, and then you'll drive by a couple of weeks later. And it'll be an entirely different yeah. site again. And, uh, you know, talking with the family, seeing them out there and listening to what this means to them. Um, we have one family who is living in an apartment, an apartment with uh, peeling lead paint. Oh, lovely. Um, a wall heater that doesn't work and you can smell gas. Um, and yet they're paying so much for it that they live on black beans and peanut butter.
2: No way.
8: And, you know, another family that's living in a single room and when you walk in you can smell the mold. And it's you know, for them, the excitement you'll see in these families that, you know, uh, they talk about never having to move again.
4: Right. You
8: know, not having to move their kids again, having the money to be able to buy decent food. You sure. know. And it's it's um it's it you won't be the same. I promise you that.
2: Yeah, it's it's definitely something to see the fruits of your labor mm-hmm. um, actually positively impact others.
8: And we want you to come out. After we're done, we have a, a home dedication ceremony. And every volunteer that ever helped on the, uh, on any of the houses is invited. And we actually wrap the houses in red ribbon. And you get to be part of the... Ribbon cutting. Too we, cool. We hand the families the keys. They usually have trucks. Are they
2: super huge keys, like the same size as the scissors?
8: <laughs> no, no, <laughs> our scissors, yeah. No, no, they're, they're regular. But what will happen is you'll see trucks in the street where they, they move in. Immediately after we cut that ribbon, they're right imagine. there. And, and sometimes we help them and we have bags. That's what that I was going to say. Yeah. If it
2: was me, yeah. I'd, I'd make, uh, uh, I'd capitalize on all those bodies oh, standing yeah. in the driveway there. <laughs> hey, oh, what is, there's the moving there's truck. The Would mind you guys <laughs> just mine
1: real quick?
8: You know, sometimes it depends on the families. You know, we've had families who say, we just want you all to go away. Because right. this has been quite a ride because they're in classes right now with us too. They're okay. taking financial education classes and home maintenance classes and classes on their mortgage. They have to take a class on wills, you know and and so it's it's quite intense for about eight months. yeah, and so by the time we get done cutting the ribbon, they're all standing there, see ya, you know, but um, on the other hand, these families, I think they may just embrace not you all. I'm
2: too sympathetic, though. <laughs> They're going to end up with a house in San Luis proper, where yeah. the mortgage will be between four and six hundred dollars a that's month. It. Yep. That's it. Yeah, that's pretty sweet deal.
8: And it's oh yeah, and it's it's not, but you know. I get being overwhelmed because sure. this is a dream these families never thought they were going to get. And yeah. so I think when they actually get their keys in their hands, it's th- there's a little bit of an oh-my-God moment. Yeah. Uh, um, and there'll be lots of tears and lots of hugs and sure. lots of stuff going on. And well,
2: you know you feel when you buy a house, even just buying a house, mm-hmm. it's kind of a surreal experience, especially the first home you buy where um, – And we see this a lot because lending is so difficult lately. (laughs) Um, By the time it finally happens, the buyers usually feel – they've been made to feel like they're – not worthy, or the bank looked for reasons to not do this, and somehow they managed to barely clear each hurdle. Right. Um, and the whole thing is just such kind of a, a stress. I always tell people, yes, it's really yours now, and you really can, um, you know, have some security in that. Mm-hmm. But they'll still feel standing in the living room like someone's going to come next week and say, and "Just th- kidding, you got to get take out." Take it away. Like, yeah. You
8: know, it's funny you mentioned about. Different difficulty with learning, Habitat has been hit with some of those rules. Oh, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, it's it's been kind of interesting because now we're required to audit to make sure nobody's, you know... Laundering money and any of our families, oh, yeah. and I, you know, and it's and I'm, I, you know, I look at our families and just laugh, you know. But we're we're hopping through the hoops, we're doing the whole audit thing for a year, and you know, and I get it. Um, and uh, I, I guess I should say, Habitat International has an office in Washington D.C. and works very closely with HUD on a lot of things. But after the RDA thing happened here, we now have Habitat California. There are forty-nine affiliates in this state. And we have a big association that goes up and represents us to the state legislature, so this doesn't happen again.
2: Good. Yeah. Well, fabulous. Um, We are drawing near the end of the show here, and so I want to take just another opportunity to remind people that – would you just run over the good excuses of reasons to not be involved?
8: <laughs> I can't. I can't think of any here. I couldn't either. I mean,
2: you can drop off building materials. You can work in the store. You can give cash. You can donate land. You can donate time. You can tell your friends. Um,
8: Should I tell you what our big dream is?
2: Yes, do tell.
8: Our dream is to have a piece of property. That is big enough that they give us the piece of property that we can build over 30 houses on. And it will be a habitat community with a community center, community garden, community parks, lots of kids. That'd be, that sounds pretty good. That's what we would like to do. All right. That's our and dream. How, many, how much
2: acreage do we need for 30 homes?
8: Gosh, I don't know. I'll take anything I can get. I mean, yeah. I, I, we we got uh, we got ten houses on an acre and a half. You but, could probably well.
2: really do this on about three to five acres. Yeah, I mean, I it'd, think be, so. it'd be nice little postage sure. stamp stuff, but yeah. you could get it done. We could do it. Um, okay, so the website here for you guys to go check out is H F H S. So Habitat for Humanity, slowco H F H S. L-O-C-O dot org. Go check out the website. Um, it's cool. Nice website. Plenty of stuff to look at. Julia, thank you so much for taking the time to come in here today and educate no, you're us all.
8: Thanks for having me.
2: My pleasure. Um, and also, I think I forgot to mention this in the last two hours. Um, the show is brought to you by a mortgage company. So if you need mortgage help, give us a call. We're Central Coast Lending. We're on the web at centralcoastlending.com. And you can find us easily by calling 543-LOAN, which is five four three five six two six. Thank you. And we'll be back next week with another Mortgage Matters.